0: Greetings, errants, glitches, breakaways, thought criminals, and genuinely open-minded and outright curious inhabitants of whatever simulacrum we find ourselves navigating at the moment. You are about to set sail on another free first-hour episode of The Melt. If you find yourself wanting to dig deeper and have the desire to join the conversation during our monthly Melt meetups, you might want to consider becoming a monthly subscriber. For a measly five dead presidents per month, you can have access to full-length, early and exclusive episodes. Just click the Patreon or Locals link in the episode notes below to create the timeline that will set it all in motion. It's suspiciously simple, altogether painless, and just might inspire feelings of bliss and or lingering euphoria. So, without further ado, let the conversations begin. <laughs> tales of the dark underbelly of Hollywood which seem undeniable in light of how many people have come forward with their experiences only to have their stories disappear just as quickly as they appear. Stories spike for a few weeks like Wayfair or Balenciaga and then never get discussed again. Pizzagate began actually getting quote-unquote legitimate news coverage but was then overshadowed by Trump winning the 2016 election, was forever stigmatized by the cautionary tale of one Edgar Welch who chose to take things into his own hands and fire a shot into Comet Ping Pong, along with any narrative that smacked of anything that could be remotely conflated under the ridiculously ambiguous pejorative of conspiracy theory. Then QAnon was implemented to further dash any hope that any of these things could be taken the least bit seriously by those who weren't willing to look past party loyalty or dig any deeper than whatever Stephen Colbert spins into ridicule by snidely telling us what we should take seriously and what we shouldn't. Welcome
1: back, everybody. Uh, You know, uh, we have a lot of fun here at The Late Show uh, every night talking about the news of the day. But I really hope you don't get your news from me. Because Newsflash, this isn't news. This is entertainment. If you want news, go to CBS's John Dickerson or maybe the Wall Street Journal. But don't go to some anonymous guy on social media. Because a lot of the news on social media is a lie. And not just that Brian claims he's totally over Lisa and is having a great time on his solo trip to Iceland. There's so much fake news out there. The fake news is having such an influence on our lives THAT TODAY, AND THIS IS TRUE, POPE FRANCIS SAID, MEDIA THAT FOCUS ON SCANDALS AND SPREAD FAKE NEWS TO SMEAR POLITICIANS RISK BECOMING LIKE PEOPLE WHO HAVE A MORBID FASCINATION WITH EXCREMENT. (laughs) AND IF THE POPE'S TALKING POOP, YOU KNOW WE'RE IN DEEP DOO-DOO. AND THE CRAZIEST... And the craziest fake news of all is something called Pizzagate. People actually believe a conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton and her former campaign manager John Podesta ran a child sex ring at a pizzeria in DC. This is a lie. We all know the only people who are trapped in a pizza place are those robots at Chuck E. Cheese. I've seen Westworld, one day they're gonna rise up and kill us all. Now, according to the folks with the spider eggs hatching in their brains, Clinton and Podesta have a series of smuggling tunnels that connect to the basement of this pizzeria. But police refuse to investigate the basement crime scene on the flimsy excuse that the pizzeria does not have a basement. <laughs> That's how deep this goes. Ground level. <laughs> so so where did this conspiracy theory start? Apparently, some alt right folks were combing through Clinton campaign emails hacked by Russia and published by WikiLeaks and noticed there seems to be more references to pizza and pizzerias than they had expected, which can only mean one thing secret sex ring. <laughs> A lot of uninformed, gullible people fell for the Clinton Podesta sex ring theory. People like Trump's pick for national security advisor, Michael Flynn who tweeted out a link, writing, new Hillary emails, money laundering, sex crimes with children, etc." must read. Introducing it, you decide. Okay, then I decide a guy who spreads this bullshit shouldn't be in charge of national security. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Donald Trump's transition team has acknowledged that this is disqualifying madness. And they have now done the right thing by firing Michael Flynn's son for tweeting about Pizzagate. Phew! <laughs> we really dodged one of the bullets here. <laughs> so, pretty weird, but harmless fun, right? Wrong. Because over the weekend, this happened. Police say a 28-year-old gunman entered Comet Ping Pong and fired off an assault rifle. The shooter claims he was investigating the so-called Pizzagate story. Thankfully, no one was hurt.
0: What a chucklehead. Him and Jimmy Kimmel really showed us what corporatist lapdogs they were these last three years as they playground bullied us with humor into doing whatever the authorities were telling us to do. And back to Edgar Welch, the alleged Pizzagate shooter, who even thinks that this actually happened. And, if it did, that one shot was just lucky enough to take out the hard drive on the computer inside. Hmm. Go figure. So, naturally, this begat headlines like, Conspiracy theories can get people killed. Damn right they can. Ask the three accusers of Kevin Spacey. Or Anthony Bourdain. Gary Caradori, Tracy Twyman, or Chris Cornell, Kerry Mullis, Ronald Bernard, Paul Walker, Chester Bennington, Isaac Cappy, or William Cooper. Anyway, you get the point. The mainstream media is the federal reserve of reality. It can create something out of nothing, convince you that it's real, and then charge you for it. Hollywood being one of the main perpetrators. Today's guest, actor, producer, and filmmaker John Paul Rice has done time in Hollywood and is here to tell that tale. I start off the conversation as I start off many conversations with people who have not been on the melt before by asking him to tell us about his background.
2: My background uh, is quite interesting. I got started, I guess the reason why most people pay attention to me today is because I was in Hollywood for 19 years. Uh, I went there as an actor. I was in Remember the Titans. you know football player mm-hmm. and a couple lines on camera i was in all the scenes got to work around denzel washington boaz yakin uh, will patton oh, ryan gosling before he was really big um for two months and it was like fulfilling a dream that that couldn't have been fulfilled in any other way it, how it came about i was in school i was in college at georgia state university And I took as an elective the history of motion picture and cinema. And that instructor actually had an acting class up north of Atlanta, invited me up there to shadow it. I ended up reading a scene out of um, ordinary people. And I realized that I still had the talent that I had when I was in high school uh, as a stage actor, but I was able to translate it into authentic performances in film. And I had a, Man, I almost just lucked into the movie Road Trip as well with um, uh, Tom Green. That was going on at the same time I went to an open call audition and got a call back from the LA casting director and the local Atlanta casting director after doing a a monologue on camera at an open call. I didn't have any agent or manager, um, but I had a dream. And I ended up going out to LA a year after Titans when it premiered at the Rose Bowl. was there. Spent four days there, and within about three months, I put together a place to live, a floor to sleep on, uh, for $300 a month, and I had $500 in my wallet and a couple of credit cards. And I took, uh, I did, you know, against everybody's advice, um, I knew I would be okay. I knew that I could make it Um, prior to that, just kind of jumping back into time. What gave me the confidence of doing that was my previous work experience. started as a busboy, dishwasher, then went to Circuit City, was in warehouse, customer service, then went to sales floor, then moved to Georgia and um, was at their flagship store and was one of the top salespeople there at 17, 18 years old. Um, One of the people that came up to me one time says, you're going to make a million dollars one day. And it had to do with the fact that I cared. Um, I cared about what I did. I cared about the customer. Of course, I wanted to make money. Of course, I was young and wild and crazy. Um, But I had an ethics to me. And I ended up working for my father. Prior to moving to LA, I worked for my father for four and a half years at uh, a little tiny company in, in Roswell, Georgia, north of Atlanta. It sold a product called Crud Cutter and it was in Home Depot and there were only 20 stores and it hadn't done a lot of money, decent amount, but not a lot. And within the first year, I remember the day the order came in for $1.2 million, a blanket order, uh, in all, all of the Southeast stores, 114, 115 of them. And I was, I think it was 18 years old, 19 years old. And From that time until I was 20, I made $4.5 million in gross sales for my dad. Um, it enabled them to get into Lowe's, Sherwin-Williams, Menards, all the major uh, hardware stores and chains, um, Costco, Walmart, took it later. Uh, and then they ended up selling, I think, to Rust-Oleum in uh, 2014. And they were doing an annual revenue of about $12-14 a year for a private company of two people. Uh, Of course, I was long gone after that. I was out in L.A. doing my thing and um, jumping around back to L.A. I'm there. I don't have anything, but I knew that I was resourceful and that I could get a job. And certainly I did. Uh, First six months were tough. I ended up going and working on We Were Soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Mel Gibson, did that for two months. What year Came, was this? Just that was two sorry, yeah, 2001. Oh, okay. 2001 was when I arrived out in LA, wow. January 2nd, 2001. And then within a couple of months, I was driving up to Paso Robles, mm-hmm. uh, and going out to Fort Hunter Liggett and uh, and filming there for a couple of months. Uh, I ended up meeting James Noctway, who was uh, a Times uh, Pulitzer Prize winning photographer he ends up photographing me uh there out of all the guys in the in the platoon and um when i'm when i'm going to the premiere in westwood i walked into the after party and there was my photograph like blown up and like as you walk in and um he told me that the people at paramount were like who is that guy you know it's just this weird thing i kept showing up everywhere yeah i met super famous people um Morgan Freeman, Sidney Poitier, Sydney Poitier was probably my most memorable face-to-face meeting. Uh, we saw each other at a soul level. He gave me the best advice in 2006. He said, always do what is up here and in here. And he just stared at me. And, um, there was an exchange there something real. Um, met a lot of famous people didn't really care like the way a celebrity you know, mm-hmm. oh, I never got pictures with anybody really. Kind of in retrospect, that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, just like, oh, you were with this person. Yes. You do, You know, it's exactly. like, no, I didn't. <laughs> didn't know anything. Uh, I was 22 years old. I got a job that summer of 2001 at Senator International, answering phones, reading scripts. It was a startup, um, hybrid German and Beverly Hills uh, sales finance company, moved into production, marketing, distribution, post-production, learned it all, learned the business of it, learned about contracts. Um, I saw two worlds between independent film producers and then everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's like the ideas of independent film producers and then the realities of the business, it was like, oh my God. And I partnered with uh, Latino writer director, Edgar Michael Bravo from UCLA, went out with his scripts and ended up getting meetings that only people typically only dream about Mm. uh you know the producers of harry potter going to 21st century fox meeting with alex young uh, who did x-men series i mean i had no pedigree i had no background i was 25 years old but um i knew script and i understood talent and i had a business partner at that time who could articulate his vision for these films and so for like three years Big meetings, big meetings, nothing happening. Everybody talking about things. Yeah. Got some letters of attachment. Had some interesting people like Brittany Murphy. Uh, interested, loosely attached. Had scripts out to people like Benicio Del Toro, George Clooney. Uh, even, I don't even remember everybody else, but this is crazy stuff. Like it was a dream come true. And it's like, you feel like you're almost like on that verge of like, you could be the next Robert Evans, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but it really was my love for art that kept me in the game. And, um, I was disappointed obviously, because after all of that, nothing materialized. And in 2007, uh, our funding fell through like 80% of it on this one thing. Uh, and then it, you know, it falls apart and then everything else falls apart and you got to try to rebuild it. Mm -hmm. We were done with that. I had learned from other producers how long it had taken them five to seven years to set up one project on the average, if it's, if it's good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even then there's no guarantees. And we were like, no, we want to make movies. We're going to make a movie this year. And uh, in came the story of this girl that I met um, who was doing fantasies for men out of a hotel room, a dumpy little hotel room in Hollywood $150 $150 an hour and there was no sex, no nudity, and it was totally legal. And you go, who would pay for that? Well, I learned from her that, um, and I came to understand later in life that everybody wants care. They'll go through every distorted way to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, loneliness is sadness, tragedy in life that Brings you to those places, both the person and the client, if you will. And I saw through this girl and I adored her because she was a real person who was not afraid, although she was afraid. But she was courageous and she was not somebody you would expect to be there. And if you put her in regular street clothes, she's just a regular girl that anybody would want to date and have a relationship with, except... She had a effed up childhood. Mm-hmm. and uh, she found herself stuck as she was trying to hold together her life That was the basis of the film, uh, One Hour Fantasy Girl, which was based on a true story about a young girl stuck in the middle, trying to get out, finding a way out. All these girls I met in clubs and elsewhere that were temporarily there. but There was also tragedy in them that kept bringing them back, bringing them back. And um, I got to know a lot of them. Actually, part of my part of my. um, I guess I'll kind of conclude this a little bit. Um, Part of my experiences in life led me through hell and my own hell in childhood and the realization of those things and what I've come to understand universally about every single one of us on this planet. it's not an absolute declaration. It's more of an invitation to reciprocity and a shared life that we're missing in this world. And, um, while I was doing these films, I also worked in the financial business city national bank, which is now RBC, the bank of the stars. And while I didn't go snooping around in any of the, of the files, um, all this time I'm hearing celebrity news. And I'm servicing celebrity clients and not because of, like I said, snooping around in the files. I was on the admin teams that had to go into files and look at for, uh, issues. Mm-hmm. And you'd come across the finances of some of the most powerful people in entertainment, politics and elsewhere. Um, and you kind of see how this thing works, you know, how they're, how they how their finances are so much different than ours. And, and we don't have, uh, Like when we vote for things, we're not voting to get after those people's money. Uh, We're voting to cut our own nose off Mm -hmm. and anybody else from getting higher than that. But it's always, you know, it's low level stuff. But most people don't have the access to really see how the rich, in fact, work, how the system works for them and then there's everybody else and we're voting on things to basically enslave ourselves while trying to say, well, we're going to get some more out of that. And they're going, yeah, they've already figured that out that you're not smart enough to figure out that they've got it all gamed anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, vote for it. Great. You know, I'll figure out another way with my accountant to get around this and we'll write the legislation to make sure it's, there's carve out deals in between that nobody knows anything about. So, um, so that was an interesting perspective that I got. And, uh, Why I'm here with you today, God only knows I, I fell out of that, uh, industry in stages over four years, got out of California, went to Georgia and found love in Indiana. And, um, it's, 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 it's my soulmate. Well, she's beyond my soulmate, but she, she and I knew each other. We actually dreamed about each other before we met years ahead of time and then didn't know that that was who the person was until it all kind of came together and you go, all right, God's done something here. (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic.
0: Yeah. So
2: that's kind of how I, how I arrived here in general.
3: I'm going to ask you a really weird question. Do you remember um, across the street from the Beverly center, there was a circuit city, that used to be open 24 hours a day back in the late, late 90s, early 2000s. And you could go and play video games. <laughs> I never
2: went there.
4: <laughs> I didn't know you could saying. do that. Yeah. Interesting.
3: Yeah, they were open all night long. It was the strangest thing. I was there in a period where for like five years, even though I was in the business, I didn't have a television and so I would go to Circuit City at like two in the morning and go and play like Mario Cards or could you
0: something. Pop popcorn in their microwaves and stuff.
3: <laughs> they had those rooms set up where you could go oh, and sit right. down and check out and the, the speakers. Yeah, <laughs> just that's yep. a very random aside. I like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so
2: these are the things you can do in Los Angeles. There's abundance <laughs> everywhere. Well, there used to be, but I mean, I'm saying there's it's everything is everywhere, and it's like it's open. And they're like, why not, you know?
0: You said you fell out of the industry over four years. Mm-hmm. Was that prompted by anything in specific or was sort of a culmination of things?
2: Culmination of things, it's a very good question. Um, I think that if I'm looking at windows of time that I can measure, the campaign of Bernie Sanders in 2015 caught fire mm-hmm. with me not because of socialism or communism. I didn't know anything about that. I was completely ignorant, but his personality. And I already knew Clinton was kind of like a bad person. Mm -hmm. She revealed herself during that primary. Um, I had my heart broken, obviously like many people did. And I think the majority actually did because it wasn't anywhere close. Um, I, I, my life is crazy. I did election integrity work and I found that the same stuff that they did to Trump. And they did the same thing to Sanders in 2016, 2015. It mm-hmm. wasn't the super delegates; He was winning at a rate uh, greater than Obama over her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll give people one thing that they can look at to see what I'm talking about. If you go on Wikipedia today and you look up uh, 2008 primary in New York state
4: mm-hmm.
2: between Obama and Clinton. Obama wins one county, she wins 57% of the vote. You go to fast forward to 2016, go into New York, look at Sanders versus Clinton, he wins 80% of the state, she still wins 57% of the vote. It's impossible. And um, we saw anomalies and irregularities on a level that, I mean, all this stuff about the fraud and everything, I don't like to get into all this detail, but um, our elections have not been whole for a very, very long time and it's True. right and left. It's uni party folks yeah. mm-hmm. they pick the winners. They make you believe that those are the ones who won, whether they did or not, they'll always clamp them down at a percentage so that it keeps it close so that they can flip the script mm-hmm. at a later time when the, the media narratives pick up and they've shifted everybody's attitudes and behaviors and, and ultimately, uh, their, their reality. Uh, so, but I got heartbroken there and then I was terrified of Trump, but I didn't realize where I was yet. And then Trump did something. He blew a hole through reality. And so I had to go, okay, I'm an analyst. I'm not a lunatic. And I got to figure out why this dangerous man over here, this is it back then, Mm -hmm. seven years ago, why this dangerous man. That they're saying is the next incarnation of hitler and he's going to do all these hitlerian fascist things i got to figure out how the hell he he got through right and i started going back into time i started going back to the beginning of the federal reserve i went back to I, I visit revisited all the conspiracies when you still could mm-hmm. um you know before they were heavily censored came across human trafficking of children came across ronald bernard came across Annika lucas um came across testimonials of people that uh there weren't lying the franklin scandal mm-hmm. um all of these things hours and hours of footage and in my abilities i was able to read who was being authentic and who was embellishing a little bit mm-hmm. the ones that were authentic i could read their emotions in there and they were reliving their story um i dove into that i ended up getting uh, a film called a child's voice that was kind of like the the catalyzing my fifth film sixth film sorry uh and we made that film in 2017 in October we shot we shot it and everything and we had it out in the middle of the summer of 2018 and i think that as i got further along into this and the unraveling of everything the mm-hmm. contemplations of mm-hmm. the evil that had always been here that we didn't pay attention to or didn't know about Um, and what their assault on the masses had done culturally, socially, politically, sexually, and spiritually. And I didn't know this at the time, but what I was going through was inner and outer worlds. This was hitting me against me and my child, my inner child. And I started to, in 2019, the beginning of 2019, I had an experience that um, people would call it a spiritual awakening of some form, but it was basically what I would consider I was passing through something in my heart and all of my lines in my face and everything, I was glowing. Um, I had, I felt imbued with something that was beyond here and it was and it would i would put it towards uh what i would call the that energy of jesus the christ energy coming through um and i started to realize that some of the things that i had experienced before prepared me for that and i had been working towards really understanding my childhood at a very deep level in fact um at a level where I, I had to see my parents and actually what they ended up truly doing to me. And then in that same year, 2019, um, I was shown things and experienced things on a level of pain and release that brought me back to my father before he died. And I'll say this, if you knew the rap sheet of my dad, there's no way he deserved what I gave him, but I absolutely know he did deserve everything that I I gave my father at the end, all the care that I gave him, that was that was my soul connecting with him again and realizing that I never stopped loving him. My child had never stopped loving him and my child couldn't love him safely because he couldn't love me safely. Um, And all of this kind of it's a culmination of things. I mean, I could write a book on 2019 alone. Uh, my experiences in nature and with, I don't know how you would call it angelic dimensions, uh, things that comforted me and that has only continued over the last three years, but LA fell out of favor for me. I I had no connection to it anymore. It was a memory. It was a dream and revisited it. And, um, I I realized I had nothing left there. There was nothing left for me. And then a job opportunity came and it took me back to Georgia to uh, be close to my family. And um, I'd always said I wanted to have a family. And I felt that going back home to the South would be the best uh, chance for that, to sit down and be a husband a father potentially and, um, live my life in peace and not under this duress of, of basically of scarcity, fear and ignorance and the predatory nature of people in the West coast, uh, business practice on the, the, the higher, the higher, the hierarchy, the, the more ruthless and corrupt it becomes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like kind of like what you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. um, they just steal is it's i mean it's there's no the way that everything is built nowadays it's it's how much more we can take out of it but not what we can put back in and and that's that's the epitome of los angeles is get what you can and you know do your best and i mean that's one side of it but then there's everybody else and the the homeless issue um i came to know so many homeless people so many people. I watched mental health declines in people. I saw schizophrenia form in a person over a series of weeks and months, and I've come to know mental health in a way that uh, very intimately. And I, I consult today with a couple of psychologists who have told me that you're, you know, I know more than ninety percent of the people that they've studied under. Um, in articulating it and understanding it. But mental health, we call it mental wellness. I would call it mental wellness because there is a cure and it's not drugs. It's mm-hmm. care.
4: Absolutely. In most,
2: it's most cases, that all of those phenomena are expressions of behaviors that have um, matured, if you will, over time and become integrated into the person. But really, that's not who they are. And um, there is a cure. And I, I would tell you straight up, I had disassociative disorder at a very high functional level. Sure. Um, I was a brilliant kid. It was genius. and um, But I also was in hospitals because I was suicidal and depressed at seven, eight, nine years old mm. and wanted to kill myself. And um, I had to see that the, core issue that we're dealing with is is an integrated normalization in compartmentalized stage I would say it in compartmentalized stages or phases we're normalizing psychopathy mm-hmm. to make ourselves less sentient beings and we're taking that in because that's it's all about how we feel anyway and but the truth is, is that what one feels in love towards another although the beliefs and the expressions are different there's hardly a person in this world who has no love in them at all uh, including people who do acts of evil although they lock that conscience away in a you know a bunker in a deep freeze but uh, those are extremes but even they too and this is the saddest part about all of the things that were I guess we're going to witness in human behavior during this time is the, the drive to be loved is so intense that people will kill for it. That's how insane they'll go.
3: Well, there's something that uh, I wanted to circle back to about the whole mythos of Hollywood is that Hollywood casts a very wide net and it's extremely easy for them to work through people. So what mm-hmm. I mean by yep. that is that the the illusion that is being sold is you're going to go to Hollywood and most people want to be famous. They don't want to be actors. They want to be famous. So they go into that world thinking that they're going to find fame. And Mm -hmm. I think that drives some people insane. And it does drive a, uh, schizophrenic, uh, a, 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 uh, kind of a myopic view of the world that if you don't achieve this one thing, then you can't possibly be happy. Mm -hmm. So, What I found so fascinating about it was the ease it was to get into the business. Mm -hmm. That was the part that was so fascinating. And it's because they do cast this wide net. And what they're doing is they're hunting. They're looking for specific types of people. They're looking for um, useful idiots. They're looking for people that they can use, abuse, and then Mm -hmm. throw away. And there's Mm -hmm. so many people willing participants in that at every level. But Mm -hmm. to get to this higher echelon, there's certain uh, things that you have to sign off on to Mm -hmm. do in order to get to those levels. Mm -hmm. So there's the version of Hollywood we see from eight to five, like, you know, in business hours. And then there's what's going on at night in -hmm. the hills, you know, Sacrifice, all kinds of insanity that's mm-hmm. happening,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and I just f- found find that so fascinating that you had a similar experience to me in that I just kind of walked in and I was like, okay, I'm here, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, and I was right. accepted into that world, and it sounds mm-hmm. that like your experience was very similar too, that you got put into these positions and it almost seems like there's some other energetic force that is at play. That's going, okay, well, let's see what happens. Let's put him in this environment and see what he does with that.
2: Yeah. You bring up excellent points and it goes pretty deep and I'll, I'll keep it kind of like at this level. So what you're accurately pointing out in my, the way I kind of, see this is they look for authenticity the best actors on the stage are the true believers that includes all positions of Mm -hmm. control by the way that's not just hollywood hollywood is a is a microcosm of a much larger network of people who are players on the stage that you believe in and because they're believed and they believe it and they're believed by an audience it's real
4: yep okay exactly that's
2: how you get your experts Mm -hmm. um the title so they look for the divine archetypes that they can use through the the bigger powers that you're talking about now we when we talk about bigger powers we're we're not talking about everybody there we're talking about a very small group of people we call them luciferian wizards mm-hmm. i'm just using that term they know this realm they know what we're in they know how to change it they know how to get into your what i would call your death star exhaust port your backdoor mm-hmm. button that they can blow everything yeah. up and reset it um because the child is seeking love externally through fame it's really what we call validation, a form of false, inauthentic right. validation, right. but it's presented as real. That's mm-hmm. why it's real. So these people aren't just lying to you. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they don't know. They're in their own world or their own reality. It's as real to them as yours is to you. Mm-hmm. They have control around them all the time to keep them busy with tasks so that they don't have time to think about anything other than what is presented to them and what they're told to do. And everybody's a handler in a different way, because as you know, people there are motivated by one thing and one thing, only money and power. Mm -hmm. Well, those are two things, but power is the ultimate one. Money is the temporal one. But power is the one where you can walk into a room and write your own check. Right. And that's what we're talking about. So to play that game, It's all about what do I need to do in order to get you to do what I need you to do? What is it that I need to give you? And that's how they read you. Mm -hmm. So they read you. What they also do and they read you is they know your birth chart, your star chart, your astrological charts as they progress over time. And they can karmically marry you. To things that are in your chart at that time, that'll give you give them the highest maximum output without you knowing anything about what's happening. So when they pair couples together, they've they've figured out okay, this is who this person is and what they represent, and in their disassociative states have all of these fourth dimensional entities baked yeah. in, in into their altars. And we're going to put that person over here, and it could be somebody who's divine, because we're we're dealing with the divine here, and we're talking about inversion of the divine. Mm-hmm. So we're taking somebody with these qualities and these attributes that are very authentic and appeal on an, on a cosmic level through the archetypes. I mean, being very simple here, but they appeal to the the, the general body of the public. Yeah, but they become the vessel for Satan's message because they have all the virtue, and they have all the authenticity and the belief in it, and the fans, and it's like spellcasting. Totally. It's it's total spellcasting, figures, people. Now, to your point, they are guessing, kind of like a crapshoot, to see what sticks, because they don't know for sure. There, There are all sorts of things that could happen. These forces that are working through these people, Now, are there people who sign, you know, on the dotted line with blood to Satan? Oh, yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. There are other ones that don't know what they just did. And it's too late, right? Because their soul is captured. And if they try to get out of it, well, it's not, not easy to do. Uh, if you can you, with your life, if you can get out with your life, you, you've you've cracked the code. But if Britney Spears been trying to get out for a long time and they won't let her, um, she means too much to them. Um, she'll have to die and become a martyr for them to to let her go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how that works. It's like a Michael Jackson, same thing. But what they do, and this is kind of, of what I have been able to ascertain about this, is the narcissistic behaviors. Now, we think of narcissism as the narcissist. But what we have to start realizing, at least in my view, is um, all of us have narcissistic behaviors. Now, some are more acceptable than others because most of what you could just look at it like this, it's a child defending itself. Mm-hmm. From an, or in a threat, real or imagined. And then it scaled upward from there, you know, all the different levels of sophisticated, but they all follow the same things. They all have the same attributes. There's no narcissism in and of itself is a lacking, a void. This is where ignorance, scarcity, or we could call, it, yeah, we say scarcity, and then fear mm-hmm. are exactly how you get triangulated by the narcissist. But in this case, this dark force that comes through is through the subconscious mind. It's the unconscious mind. And um, your brain and your mind are like a portal. And if they can hijack that signal, they can make you do things that you wouldn't normally do. And they can recall traumas in you that you didn't even know you had. Um, Ancestral traumas, bloodline traumas. And those things are conditioned and those kids are groomed to be the next incarnation of that entity that's going to attach itself and inhabit the mind, body, and soul of that individual until such time. That's kind of how I understand it to be and why they're able to get away with so much, because when I look back on all the faces of the people that I saw, um, it wasn't that they were all bad people, they were in hell they were in a prison of their own sins if you will and it wasn't a willful decision to do that it was it was sort of like the acceptance of that that that's how life is and that's that's what you do and they don't know anything different people i just want to say this one point when people when the balenciaga thing occurred with the kids and mm-hmm. all that people were Yelling on social media, Kim Kardashian should know right from wrong. She's a billionaire. And I was just like, what? (laughs) We have a culture that's been programmed from Jerry Springer to Kim Kardashian and everything in between. And you're telling me that this heiress this well, (laughs) she's she's a manufacturer thing. Some kind of ha- where is she going to learn right and wrong from yeah, what, exactly Hollywood, that. the yeah. media, our institutions, politicians? I mean, where where is she supposed to develop her sense of morality? And and when she's grown up with Satanists all around her, and that's not to give her a pass. It's just that you're trying. We're still thinking that we're them and that they're us. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're in another reality, totally different from yours, but they have the eyes, ears, mouth, nose, face, and and, and and voice to make it look like, oh, this is me. That's the whole trick of it is to hold you up, these idols, to go, this is you. This is just like you. This is what, this is what you want to look like. This, is, uh, Their attitudes, what they say, it's like they're handed a script, man. And what they're saying to you is not the same understanding of what you know. And I mean that's that's obvious now, but for a lot of people, it they just they don't realize that they know nothing about that person in real life. Exactly. And you're coming, and you're coming into this moment for five minutes and you're seeing him going, Wow, oh my god, he's amazing! And he did this great thing, and he says all these nice things. Danny Masterson, Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kuhn. I mean, you put all that together and you go, how does Ashton Kutcher run Thorn and and be an advocate for human trafficking and then turn around and try to salvage this man? I get he's a father, but... Because he's
3: an advocate for human trafficking. Right! (laughs) He's advocating for it.
2: (laughs) Right!
4: He's not against
3: it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's not against it. Exactly. It's like, oh, this is a problem that's happening over here. And it's like, yeah, I'm not doing anything about it. You know, because if if they had to police their own industry, they would have to shut it down. Yeah. It's that simple.
3: And Kim talked about the Illuminati on the show. One time she goes, what's this thing? The Illuminati. Oh
0: <laughs> Illuminati. She, she,
3: she actually brought it up on the show. And that's, that's just a way of like putting it in people's faces to say, mm-hmm. like, are you awake? Are you yeah. aware of what's really happening? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, they
2: gaslight their audience. Totally. Like, of course. Yeah.
3: I, I figured out how to see behind the green curtain And how I did it was I became a housekeeper and I went and I cleaned houses for people in the Hollywood Hills. And let me tell you what, you want to know what's really going on in that world, go and clean somebody's house. You will find out every one of their secrets. What's, I mean the, the things that I saw in people's closets, I got the receipts, like the the uh, trades that they were doing where they would do these fashion shows where they were selling each other to each other like uh, as like, oh, it's a joke. It's, you know, we had this party and I found this, you know, one of these banana hammocks and it had like a tab price tag on it of this young actor And I was like, what, what's this, you know? And they, they're so not used to being confronted by someone that's not in that realm. Mm -hmm. This is why they hire people that don't speak English, that Mm -hmm. are, uh, you know, people who are illegal because they, those people have something to protect. They have a reality that they're trying to protect as well. So Mm -hmm. they'll go into that home and they won't say shit. I went into that home and I was like, what, what is this and why is this here? And what, you know, and, and really was authentic, like a real person Mm -hmm. found out whose parents work for the CIA, you know, what, what are the relationships here? Because what I found John is that these people want to be honest Mm -hmm. and they want to have someone that they can be truthful with I was invited to stay and hang out when this guy would go and have dinner with his little Hollywood starlet girlfriend and he didn't want to be alone. It's what you're talking about is this desire to be loved and you've been put in this ivory tower. And that's part of the agreement that you've Mm. made and that you've signed off on is this isolation. So... They go out, and they party, and they do all the drugs and do whatever, but at the end of the day, they're by themselves, and it's, who do I trust, and how do I fit into this world that is totally inauthentic, and it's Mm -hmm. filled with sycophants. So I found that probably the most interesting part of it, is that they really some of these people really want to be genuine and they want to be loved, but they don't want to do that at the expense of losing the position that they have signed off on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their whole, their whole lives are constructed. They're, they're fully and totally integrated now. And there's, the idea it's not even letting go of your material self because they would relinquish that to get out of that pain, but they don't have any avenues to go down. And I know this isn't, this isn't like, I know there would be a lot of people who go, wait a minute. Are you like trying to say you now after all this other stuff that no, they're victims too. That's what I'm saying. They are okay. There are perpetrators at a level that are beyond comprehension. Yes. Mm-hmm. But for the large majority of the people ex- occupying those places out there they're in a prison yeah they are in a prison and they and and what you said it, it really is the truth it's like this is how desperate this world has become for the lack of care and nurturing uh it's devoid of it and and they're they're just the canary in the coal mine they're the extreme i okay I had firsthand experience with a psychopath out there who by all intents and purposes, I didn't know. I didn't know. And he's like, well, how do you not know? Well, cause I was kept a child.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It was and it, whatever's coming through. It, it's always been there, but I have more awareness now. That's, that's the part. I've become far more wise and I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of people there would would die to have what you have. In a sense, it's 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 like looking through the mirror on the other side. It's like Alice through the looking glass. It doesn't seem like it doesn't fit. What you have somehow is greater than what they have when everything is available to them. Yet yet nothing is is real. Yeah, and that's horrible.
4: Yeah, I
2: mean, you really are talking about a heavy heavy anchoring in materialism at such a level that even if you do have, well, there's hardly a person who doesn't strive to find some kind of spiritual connection, but the distortions of that, it's, it's like, um, it's like trying to get out of a nightmare and you, and you, and there's no exit right
3: especially when your parent is the one who sold you into that nightmare yes and there's so many of those situations and circumstances where the parent has been the one to sell the kid Mm -hmm. into that world and then the that person that you're supposed to trust You can't trust, and so you hate them. So that's where all of these very convoluted relationships with parents happen is because this is supposed to be your protector, and they've put you basically on the auction block.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the guilt and the shame, I think this is the, the one thing that I came to understand about this situation When we talk about narcissists and that's kind of like overused terms, I really try to go into the nuance and the detail of what the pain is because what's masking. Okay. So the paradox that they're in is that they have the highest optimism on the one hand. And yet on the other hand, they have the highest level of guilt and shame that is a burden to them that they can't release. And they have to compartmentalize that, make that real. While being really like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because you're connected here. You're crossed up. Um, I came to find out like in myself that guilt and shame, the toxic guilt and shame that each of us in some ways carries. Is a carryover from our childhoods of a burden that was placed on our parents by their parents' parents. So we're being scarred generations back Mm -hmm. unconsciously. And so these children now, some have direct experiences of abuse and others, it would be as if it was an echo. Mm -hmm. It was the the normalization of everything around them brought forward those behaviors in part because that was part of the family's uh, let's say experiences that were recorded in the DNA I'm not going to mm-hmm. get real technical about this but no it's a it, cellular it's memory cellular memories that are distant from them yet they act out as though it's happened totally and uh, this is everybody by the way it's just that that industry ritualizes it mm-hmm. and institutionalizes it to such a level that it's it's part of the it's part of the program really Um, But they are, in a sense, have all of the same, God, even if they had all the money in the world and the pain was still there, they they wouldn't be able to get rid of it without real healing and intervention. And on some level, I would say holy people. But as I said, it's not words that can change someone's, you know, you can't shame and guilt a person full of shame and guilt away with words. You have to show them that that, there are other potentials that exist, and um, I'm glad. I mean, I'm grateful for you to share that story with me because it reminded me of all the times when I looked back, and I saw, in most cases, a helpless child in every single one of them, including some of the monsters. Which is, which like I said, it's it's frightening to see that because you could lower your guard real quick mm-hmm. and then get taken over but i came to find out that what we're really talking about if we're getting into the depth of this at some kind of level it's the collapse of the psyche that creates the pathology so they don't have they don't have good memories that they can draw from in childhood mm-hmm. as objects and people to attach to those stories are completely fictionalized and when that when you don't have any good memories to go off of you're using drugs and alcohol, your central ego and your central objects that you're attached to, the one that's the conscious you, is you have to think of yourself as amazing and you have to think of everything you desire as the absolute best thing. There is no other alternative. There is no reference in the subconscious that it can access to go, oh, I, I actually had a mother who loved me or a father who loved me. Mm-hmm. There is none of those fantasies. that can be held on to, they're so disassociated from their original self, their original blueprint, if you will, the divine blueprint that they are, that all they can go into is their altars and try to relieve the stress momentarily.
3: And no one's telling them the truth. Yeah. So you have people that come into these environments that are friends But they're not being honest because they don't want to lose their position. So they're not going to tell you you're acting like an asshole or don't treat that person like that or are you okay? You know, and really kind of get in there, drill into what's really happening with this person. So that just becomes another layer of disassociation because your friend, your best friend, is just the person that you pay to go out with you. And the Mm -hmm. way you pay them to go out is you buy all the booze, and you buy all the food, and you buy all the drugs, and women are attracted. So that person's getting a payoff by hanging out with you, but that's not really your friend.
2: Right, right.
0: So did the system that you encountered in, in Hollywood, did it ever get to a point where it, tried to corner you and, and uh, sort of envelop mm-hmm. you to become a part of it? Or did you just sort of pick up all, on all of this sort of peripherally by experiences of the people that were around you?
2: It's a great question. Um, I think that if I were to say as a starting point, I believe that I was divinely protected there. I When I looked back at the ninth, we're talking 19 years from 22 to 40, something, um, 41. I walked through thousands of doors, many of which I, and I mean that both literal and kind of figuratively or metaphysical, but I walked through so many doors where I could have been killed, corrupted, um, i remember at the beginning people wanted to get a good look at me in my 20s up close i had a few that invited me at the studio level and it was a proposition meeting i didn't know that i was going in for business legitimate business Mm -hmm. to discuss projects and um i looked you know i'm 46 but i looked then I looked, I mean, at 22, I looked like I was 16. I mean, I just had a very youthful face my most of my life. I'm not saying I'm, you know, I I got age. I got some age there now. But, uh, but I'm saying this as a, there was, there were a lot of men that targeted me. Um, I resisted a lot of men who targeted me. Now, did I ever get to a place like where there were some friends of mine I mean the stories that I've heard cages and drugged out sex slaves and all I was like no I didn't have to go through that but could have I mean the level of danger that I was in I was unaware of and that probably saved my life because I wasn't like you said you asked me if I picked it up on the periphery I think intuitively I knew where to stop where to get away from Um, There were a couple of times that I literally, you know, had, I mean, this is not like a bragging thing, but I had sex offered to me. Right. And it felt like I'm a young guy, like no problem with that, but it it felt wrong. There was something off, whatever it was. I didn't feel like I was going to, I, I also had a couple of times where I was drugged in a club and I had a, a woman walk up to me I didn't know this at the time. Like, again, this is just after reviewing what had had gone down a woman who had no business walking up to me, talking to me, meaning I'm one guy of many guys in a club. And this woman is a, a, you know, an 11. And I'm just like, I literally asked her, I said, what are you doing here talking to me? And she got scared and like backed off and ran away. And I never saw her again. But then I had like, I started to, um, have memory lapses. And then I ended up somehow driving home. I don't remember driving home. Um, but I woke up the next day really sick and I realized that a lot of these, uh, some of these clubs where they do organ trafficking, Mm -hmm. uh, they get you hooked up with a hot girl. You're going to go back and have, you know, amazing sex with at a motel or something and they'll drug you and knock you out and then take your liver kidneys You know, because they can sell them on the black market for thirty, forty thousand dollars. Yeah, I I, when I say like I I was protected, I I don't know how the hell I survived twenty, almost twenty years in that town. Um, Just simply that I wasn't diving into the danger, but I was around it all, and I didn't know. I didn't know when I looked back now, and I'm looking back at everything uh, from 2017 on. I'm just like where the hell was I? I was in another, I was in a place that somehow, some way it didn't want me. Thank God. Because um, I thought about it and I could have been a real um, dangerous asset for them. If, if, if things had developed into such a way with my abilities Mm -hmm. and they could profit from them, I wouldn't have known what the hell was going on. I, I, I will say this, that I was raised in a home um, Catholic, which I reject as a religious faith um, for different reasons, but obvious ones too. And But I never abandoned Jesus and Jesus never abandoned me. And I, I don't mean that simply. I, I'm talking about this energy that is beyond our human minds to understand what that is, but it, it was... I stared down death quite a few times, and I may have died there once, but came back. It was weird. It's just stuff like things that that are just miraculous that happened that kept me safe and protected. Even to this day, I don't know how I'm still alive, given what I've spoken out against, and and the nature and the viral nature of my my videos and my interviews over the last three years. I don't do that anymore, obviously. But I, I look at it and I go, I don't know how or why I was allowed to, but for whatever it is, I, I would do it all over again because I, I, and I found who I was in the, in the course of that, as dangerous as that was, somehow I understood that my soul was prepared to go through this. And then also like first my childhood and then out there and then falling back this way and basically learning my entire life through um, really intense lessons, ones that um, my human mind could not comprehend or imagine, but that um, in some ways it's what I asked for. I asked in 2019 to become a, the most truthful, honest, and ultimately wise man that I knew, and I've gotten my wish in a way that I wouldn't wish on anybody else. But I, I take it up. It's sort of like how I don't want to sound too prophetic here. Or any, I'm not trying to, but it's sort of like all of us have our own cross to bear, and the cup that we take, and the faith in all of it is that that I have that I can be courageous in that moment where i need it the most that that those things come into me in my moment of, of darkest need darkest hour whatever the, the greatest need in the darkest hour and i i've had experiences now with that, that i can't deny are so profound that n- nobody can prove to me yet i go and i listen to testimonials of people who have survived human trafficking near-death experiences out-of-body experiences um you know, I, I listen to spiritual, like the ancients, the mystics, and 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 there, are, there's something here, <laughs> there's something going on here, that is beyond uh, my human understanding, and it's 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 sort of like I feel like we're in a story of souls, but in the material world of the human history story, and uh, in our lifetimes. I truly believe in our lifetimes, however that comes to be, that we're going to um, we're going to become fully realized, We're the sons and daughters of the living Creator. However that will come to be, but that that will come to pass in this time. I, I, I'm not saying in a short time. I'm talking about in our existence in this era that we're in to move us into the potential of a thousand years of golden era of peace beyond human imagination today. I do believe that capability uh, lies within each and every single one of us and that there is a divine plan for every single person here outside of their own understandings that somehow that we're all uh, a part of each other's stories and we play sort of what Joseph Campbell's talks about. uh, We all play an agent in the story of our lives as Mm -hmm. everybody else comes in and then as we come in Mm -hmm. and then each each thing is an interlocking piece that continues, and it's beyond the world of man. It's, it's beyond the world of man who seeks power and, and dominance and control in order to immortalize himself.
0: John, th- thank you so, so much for taking the time uh, to sit down and chat with us. It's been wonderful meeting you. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to arrange this, this uh, conversation. I think it was fantastic. Um, thank you. We would love to have you join us again sometime if you would be up for that. Would love
2: to. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. I like you both a lot. And Likewise. I really enjoyed this conversation. It would be Likewise. great to have
0: you on
3: with Mark.
2: Yeah. Oh.
0: That would be an interesting. We could do a, yeah, a double. A double date. <laughs> i don't know who would be dating who but um <laughs> just yeah don't forget i said that no um, it's all good is there any i'm, pl-
2: I'm all for platonic dating that's cool <laughs> you know on podcasts it's become a new thing you know
0: exactly new. um is there any place that you would like to steer people and do you have any you mentioned you had a film in the works mm-hmm I'll let us know.
2: so um well my social media handle is no restrictions or at no restrictions. And I would say I'm most active on Instagram in the stories. I don't mm. necessarily post all the time, but, okay. um, people want to reach out to me there. You can also reach out to me, uh, through the website, no restrictions, ENT That's where my films are. Um, and our next movie, I don't want to say anything about it right now, sure. uh, just simply because we're in the process of development, but I will say that it, uh, it is one of the most extraordinary epic stories of a man who was trying to find who his father truly was, and ended mm-hmm. up coming to the father of all, in in a way that is not divinely inspired, but di- well, it is. But it he had to go through a demonic path to get there, and it spans several decades, based on a true story, and it's I. I'm so excited about this because it speaks to everything that I think that is universal and it takes place over two continents. And it's just, it's just one of those things that it's um, you think it's something, you think it's one thing. And then it becomes this other thing and and it changes the meaning of the whole story. And it's just, 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 yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't write a story like this real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's somebody's real life story and you got the life rights and you, and you just go, man, what a crazy arena this is. But then in it, you start seeing all these universal themes, these mythological embodiments, uh, metaphor. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: What stage is it at?
2: Um, we have a script, a basic script, but it's going to change, and I'm redoing the entire outline of the project, and then we're going to go out and get the bigger funding. I think it's a one to $2 million at least, but I'm going to try to keep it down depending on which route we go. Because of the strike, I don't know if we'll want to try to get SAG actors, not because I don't want to work with them, but I may go non-union if I can go for a lower budget and get really talented people and get a good distribution plan behind it.
0: Fantastic. And is there any place that people can find your past movies to watch?
2: Sure. Uh, Well, the No Restrictions ENT uh, website, you can actually go on there and look at all of our movies. But if you have something like, for example, Tubi or Roku, um, if you look up John Paul Rice on IMDb and you look up my movies as producer uh, from 2009 up to 2021, 2022, all of those in there, there's seven, six, seven of them. You can pretty much look them up on almost any platform out there and watch them either with ads or, or a small fee.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll definitely have watched some of those by the next time that we talk. <laughs> yeah. See what happened. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what <laughs>
2: happened to this guy? Why did he do what he did? It's I'm something. really
3: interested to see One Hour Fantasy Girl. That sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. 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 I am great. too. I'm, all of them actually sound interesting. So, yeah. Well, it's yeah. been an
3: honor and a pleasure to meet you. Thank, Thank you guys. so much for yes. your Appreciate time you and all
0: of your efforts. Yeah. Fantastic. Likewise. John. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, good Thank meeting you. you. And let's keep in touch, please. All right. That sounds great. All right. Thank all you right. again. Yes. Farewell.
3: Bye.
0: Bye.
2: Ta ta.
3: Great times. Yeah. It was good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I times.
0: did. Too. That was actually the. I I may be biased here, but the best interview I've ever heard with John.
3: Really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You. He, he, I heard stuff that I've never heard in any other interview, in any other conversation, and I'm not claiming that's because of us or anything like that. Just maybe the alchemical um, equation of of the three of us. But yeah, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic conversation, and I look forward to seeing his movies.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really great. <laughs> <laughs> <It does. laughs> My ears are hurting with wearing these things. Maybe that Your has... ears are hurting. You're uh, yeah. hungry
0: because you're fasting. And mm-hmm. your teeth are bugging you. I'm sorry. We'll mm-hmm. keep this short.
3: It's a, it's a poo-poo platter of st- stuff.
0: Anyway, yes. We greatly enjoy John's company. Mm-hmm. And um, he's got this very... Uh, Just
3: let me on
0: But we're on video, you know that I know,
3: but I'm trying to like be discreet about
4: it Just the top part of your face when somebody's gone <laughs>
0: you, you, they can't, you're, you're you. Anyway, I was going to say John has this uh, sort of light about him He's very not only light like light, but light like glowing. Like he's got a very good energy about him. I picked that up uh, on the 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 uh conversations that I listened to leading up to this episode, but it really comes out when you in, in I don't know what I'm I trying know to it say. Exactly. You do. I know it exactly. In yeah. 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 Okay. Well this is <laughs> not gonna go anywhere. Thank you no, so much I'm, for listening.
3: I'm <laughs> it's, we usually, it's been a while since we've done this. I know, I I'm talk a little bit, then you talk a little bit, then I talk a little bit, and you're not talking a little bit. So. <laughs> you're in I'm, an altered state I'm of being, uh, out of practice. It's been a hot minute. <laughs> you don't need to practice talking. You like you,
0: you do that naturally. <laughs> anyway,
3: I have new features. I have ear, my ears are hurting and
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll 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 make it We'll make it brief. Okay. You don't need to hear us babble on about what, you, what we thought about the <laughs> conversation. Anyway, we can just sum it up with highly enjoyable, very positive. Uh, I left it feeling, feeling really wonderful, and I'm glad that we met John, and I look forward to having him on again.
3: Yeah, he's cool.
0: All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Now I'm just trying to
3: make you laugh. This has <laughs> gotta be the shortest
0: uh the shortest uh what is it? What in, uh, After Babel. After Babel. I have things
3: to say. I was just I'm still kind of processing. Um so he was in road trip. The Tom Green film. It would seem okay. that way, yeah. There I've ever go. seen that film. Um Remember the Titans. I kind of vaguely remember seeing that years and years and years ago. It's a football movie. Um, You don't remember the Titans? And then he made seven films, six or seven films. Seven, I believe. Uh, Well, he said six initially. Um, And the one that sounded, I don't know the titles of the other ones, But the one that I'm interested in is seeing the one hour fantasy girl film. Um, I'm curious about that movie and how that, you know, I, I just wonder, like, of course I go into movie making mode where I'm like, okay, what was your budget and how did you shoot it and where, where did you shoot it? And what, you know, so it's Mm -hmm. like, I want to know the details of the actual filming, um, because that sounded really, um, interesting to me. For sure. Um, yeah. and maybe a little of the, like who was this person and mm-hmm. where is she now? And what is, you know, what was her, wh- how did her life evolve out of that being in that world? Um, it is a curiosity to me.
0: Yeah. I like that. All of his films seem to be based on true stories, actual experiences. Um, cause yeah. I'm a, nonfiction guy. I love documentaries. Yeah.
4: So, yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm not a fan of novels necessarily no, and I'm certainly not a fan of fictional films. But I understand when you can't get permission to get the rights for someone's life that sometimes you have to, you know, write a book as fiction or you have mm-hmm. to make a film yeah. that is a narrative film is based on something that's true, but you can't really say that it's true.
0: Exactly. It's a loophole. Yeah. Yes.
3: Uh, I did also want to get into a little bit of of the dark terrain just about what his, the backlash was. I wanted to know a little bit more about the video that he put out.
0: In yeah, I know. I want to track that.
3: 2023 and what yeah. that was about. Yeah, that was, same here. You know, I I respect people's, um, desire to protect themselves. And I didn't want to uh, push too hard when he kind of made that clear, but I was curious about what he was talking about. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. I think, and it just, this really has no, no, no great uh, place in the conversation by any means, but the, the mentioning of Oliver Anthony and um, his authenticity and I'm not saying this to discount John's point of view by any means whatsoever, but uh, I sort of felt that same exact way until I heard an interview with Oliver Anthony, and he talks like he just... He, 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 let's just say he talks a lot differently than he sings. He comes off in his songs as a salt of the earth country dude country guy old boy from the from the yeah. Yeah. holler but he talks like an intellectual so that i was like well that's a that's kind of a strange juxtaposition and it reminded me of chris rock who on stage talks a lot differently than he does in a conversation and on stage he talks more like a stereotypical you know uh, affectated black voice, for lack of a better term. Um, you know what I'm saying? And, and in conversation, he's not like that at all. He, he has actually kind of a high voice, but you see him live and he's talking like this. like It's just like he's doing a Red Fox imitation or something like that. I really don't understand that. So, yeah, sorry. I seem to have thrown you a curveball and taken no, us off our trajectory.
3: No, no, I was just thinking about, I saw Oliver Anthony on Rogan.
0: Oh, really? Oh, and, yeah, yeah, and, I saw uh, a clip of, or not a clip, but a
3: Again, still. it's one of these things, and and maybe my skepticism is just coming from the time period that we are in right now, and I kind of circle back to the Sound of Freedom. It's like the Sound of Freedom, what is the timing of that? Why is that happening right now? This Oliver Anthony kid, like, okay, why is this happening right now, and what, what are... I owe my, my go-to, my default setting is what is the agenda? Because no one gets to any level of fame or um, influence unless they are compromised to some degree and there there's some energy or some machine behind them. So what i was thinking it's like rogan rogan's been compromised <laughs> like you know i just think like okay so who is the machine behind oliver anthony now and what is the agenda the oliver anthony agenda now and what is the sound of freedom agenda because people like we get shadow banned <laughs> and it's not because we're not putting out good content or we're not interesting or we're not Uh, saying important things it's because because of those things that we are shadow banned so why is this kid suddenly the voice of the impoverished and the voice of of uh, this time period that we're in where people are struggling financially and having trouble getting food on the table and you know. Whatever the the narrative of that song is, why is it all of a sudden that we that that breadcrumb is being thrown out, as opposed to anything else? I'm sorry, that was weird. I glitched because I thought it said zero one, like we had only been talking for a minute, and I knew we had been talking for longer than that. So that's always my my take is. Who are you? What are you here for? <laughs> What's the point? Why are are you some salve that you're supposed to be giving the common man that we're all supposed to go? Yeah, he's speaking my truth and he's singing my song. Or are you just another psyop, another distraction?
0: Yeah, I think I'm suspicious of that uh, with some things and some things I, I think they happen organically. Um supposedly he's been offered a lot of very uh, profitable music deals or contracts with uh, record companies that he has turned down. So I don't know. I have no idea. I don't care that much. But I understand what you're saying, and I don't know that he... I, I feel more maybe like he organically went viral because a couple of famous people retweeted him or whatever the, whatever platform he spread out on Instagram and then some opportunity, maybe that's when the social engineers went, Oh, let's see if we can, you know, utilize this guy for whatever this, that, or the other. So I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know if there's a big, some hand wringing villain behind Oliver Anthony. Or Joe Rogan, for that matter. I think he got hush money. um, And like any schlub who is in the position that he's in and wants good pay and doesn't mind talking a little less about certain topics, he took it. Like, I can't say that I wouldn't do the same thing. (laughs) But then I'd have another podcast. I'd call it something different. And then we'd do the melt on the side. I'd fund the melt with that money.
3: And where would I be? (laughs)
0: <laughs> will you be a part of the melt
3: oh but i'm not a part of your selling your your <laughs> <laughs> it's ne- believe me it's
0: never gonna happen uh, yeah i don't think we're that sought after we don't we're not that mainstream
3: we got really weird really quickly <laughs> i think we started off weird actually and it's never
0: just got i mean we got briefly unweird in the middle and then we went back to weird again <laughs> So I apologize, people. We're human beings. We get in strange moods. We're subject to our bodies sometimes. Um, So, yes.
3: All those things can be true simultaneously. All the more reason
0: to thank you for listening to us and putting up with this madness. Seriously,
3: thank you. And thank you, Sweden. What are we? We're the number... Number 84. Number 84 podcast. Philosophical podcast. Philosophical podcast in Sweden. We love you, Sweden.
0: We can take this moment to uh, remind people to leave good reviews and ratings uh, wherever you uh, hear our podcast, because um, that's how those things happen. What?
4: I don't
3: give a shit about that. I'm just again, my my vibe is the same. I know from the first show I was ever on to today. I just want the right people to listen. I don't. I don't care if we get a hundred million listeners or it's just our little core group. I like, I like our people. Yeah.
0: I differ because I don't think, uh, the right people quote unquote ha- need to fit inside of a lifeboat. I think uh, the right people can be hundreds of thousands of people. So I don't think that you have to compromise numbers don't mean compromise necessarily. I think there's plenty of us out there. Um, I just like to get out to more of us. That's I just all.
3: don't want, I just don't want, um, to to i guess maybe second guess myself or be worried about it like you
0: know uh, in, in in regards to what
3: like i haven't taken a shower in a couple days <laughs> like Is that i don't give a, a fuck? we have 600,000 yes cuz then i'll have like makeup lighting and all this well, that's bullshit and your- i don't want to i don't want to do all that
0: that's your problem that's not the 6, 600,000 listeners problem don't blame it on but, them. But you don't. Have, they're here for you.
3: What if they judge me? Fuck!
0: They're not going <laughs> to judge you. They would. They shouldn't be listening to you if they're going to judge you or watching you or whatever the case may be. That's what they came there for in the first place. That's how all of those six hundred thousand listeners or viewers would come because they, for this right here.
3: Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. For how for you For my are.
3: little weird hair that's, that's sticking the,
0: out. The <laughs> That's where success fucks things up is that people go hey we've got something here let's do this and that and that and then completely change it from why people originally came here in the first place Yeah,
3: that's what i'm saying is i don't want to do that i want to just it's not gonna happen okay
0: no no i'm not i don't that's not what i'm asking for when i want more listeners
3: you don't want a crew of people that we have to no do they're the, paid to be nice to us. The only
0: thing that I would change is having more time to do this podcast. Yeah. That's all. That's the only thing I would change. Nothing else. Nothing else. Yeah. The topic matter would subject matter would be the same. Uh the quality would be even better. There would be more of it and there would be some documentaries thrown in there. I would I would um, spruce up the video versions of our podcast with visuals and stuff like that. Yeah, it would just be, it would be the melt to the 10th power.
3: I'm good with that.
0: Meltier. Yeah. Now meltier. Yeah. Now with 20% more melt.
3: I like it. <laughs> anyway. Good times.
0: Thank you all. We love you. Um, if you want to write us... Uh, You can contact us at The Melt Podcast at ProtonMail.com or
3: Hunter-Muse at ProtonMail.com.
0: All right. Uh, we're going to move on with our lives. You do the same and uh, tune in hopefully next week. I've been kind of not been too regular as far as the episodes Coming out are concerned, but I usually get them out sometime within every week. So, yes, we've got great stuff coming up. We've got probably about seven or eight episodes in the can. So, they're just bursting to get out to your ears and your minds. So, we'll make that happen. All right. Ta ta. Thanks so much for making it this far. If you've liked what you've heard and are thus inspired to contribute to the well-being of the melt, there are a few easy ways to do that. The most tangible being financially, which can be achieved by clicking the Locals or Patreon link in the episode notes, and then you will be led through the process of starting your monthly subscription for a mere $5 a month. This will give you access to exclusive episodes, full length episodes, and you can participate in our monthly melt meetups where we can congregate together as a community and often get a chance to chat with some of our guests more intimately. Another way to help out would be to go to wherever it is that you listen to the melt and leave a favorable review or rating. You can also spread the word via sharing or recommendation to friends and family, either in person or virtually. And lastly, if none of those options are readily available or appealing to you, simply send your positive thoughts and intentions. In an interconnected and quantumly entangled multiverse, these also go a long way. Thank you.